Dave, what are you drinking? Nothing at the minute, Greg. I'm absolutely <laughs> parched. Oh, we'd best get some of our listeners to buy us some beer. Uh, if they go to buymeacoffee.com forward slash dads on film pod, they can sort that out. They could lubricate our lips and uh, get us through this podcast. Are you laughing because I said lubricate? Or lips? No. Um, you can get you can do this by visiting buymeacoffee.com forward slash dads on film pod. Buy us a beer for three pounds. Buy us a, a crate for multiples of three. Uh, kegs for I don't know 30, More 30 pounds, pa- whatever. More multiples of three. Yeah, let's do this. We'd really appreciate it. Thanks. Yeah, we would. Thank you. Here's a podcast. At least we think we're funny. Uh, well, no, we don't do it. And things like that. So it's nice. I don't know. But we've been, uh, Max was doing some research. It's, it's actually quite interesting. Um, yeah. Oh, nice. He's brushing his little, he's brushing his bangs. Um, Max was doing research and apparently autistic children have a, I think it's like a magnesium deficiency or something like that. Um, so we give him now, or like we put him in uh, Epsom bath salts in the bath with him because they've got oh. magnesium in it. And, well, obviously not tonight because it's taken me ages, but he has been like sleeping slightly yeah, better away from the back. Oh, okay. Mm. Cool. Um, but there you go. Hi. Cool. You're, I, you're, I, packed. I, you're packed and ready. Uh, nearly, yeah. I mean, it's always like. Luckily, we're not going until tomorrow afternoon. So, oh, like, you know, okay, cool. Oh, I don't feel yeah, quite you... as bad as making you wait then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you know all the stuff like you know when you've got to do lo- you got you can't really pack the night before because there's always stuff you need the next morning. Like, yeah. there's always the standard like toothbrush charger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the certain things. So yeah, it's all good, mm. man. Always cool, nice, but quite excited. Oh, and uh, what's the weather like? Is it like over there? Is it's it still like tw- fair. Tw- 23, 22, oh, maybe 21, the two. Oh, oh one, two, yeah. <laughs> I'm Dave. And I'm Greg. And we love watching films. Great films. Bad films. Blockbusters. Classics. Indie films. Cheesy films. Superhero films. But as dads, we especially love watching family films with our kids. So we've made a podcast all about it. This, this is Dads on Film. Were you waiting yeah. for me to ask that? No, I wasn't. But I thought, when you asked to start doing numbers, and I thought, what the mm. fuck are we doing here? I can yeah. dig it. Yeah, good. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, no, no, but it's about, I think, it's sort of 22, 23 as well. Nice, yeah, nice. Probably, maybe get away with wearing some shorts. And then, then I think it dropped, I think it drops quite cold in the evenings. There was one, because it's basically, so we're going to Girona, it's where my sister-in-law mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. lives. And uh, pre, we went over pre-kids one February, and we'd left snow in Buxton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is pretty standard February. And uh, in Girona, we were, I mean, Girona's like, it's not South Spain. It's like, yeah, it's North Catholic, Spain. It's not quite north, northwest <laughs> as well. But, but we were going around like from Tapas Bar to, bar to Tapas mm. Bar, sitting outside in the sun, just like yeah, drinking mm. the day. It was just, it was just awesome. So we yeah. went in, um, it was like, I think it was March. And we went with like John, Rebecca, and Beth and Jamie. Um, a few years ago, I think it must have been pre-kid. Like, it had yeah. to be pre-kids, but again, even like in March, it was like twenty degrees, and we'd all pack like coats and jeans and stuff, and we were just like yeah. sat out on the, uh, the like the harbour and the marina and stuff. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, there you cool. go. How was the old weekend? 
Uh, lovely weekend, thank you. Uh, I have no. You, you I went to see cinema. a film, yeah. <laughs> went to see a film. We'll speak about that in a little while. Uh, yep. Good. I'm glad. <laughs> uh, I can't. My brother's been up. My brother's been up for the mm. weekend. There you go. I've seen a lot of my brother. Um, That's good. Oh, uh, yeah. We watched the soccer ball uh, yesterday. That's uh, United Liverpool. Yes. I, well, I'm aware of the score. I didn't. I didn't actually know. That match Spanked. was happening this weekend. So. <laughs> Spanked him good and proper. It was fantastic. Very I didn't even update sport. my team this week and I absolutely killed it. So Did you have Salah? I did. A captain hey, as well. No way. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. Awesome. Yeah, Fantastic. What about you? Listen to her. Look at us. Like real boys. Lads, lads, lads. Lads, lads. Bloody lads. Um, what did I do this weekend? Um can't remember Friday. I can't remember what I did on Friday. Saturday, um, just like yeah, like took Ben to his his like sort of autism play session and stuff. Max's mum, Max's mum did one of those Macmillan coffee air quotes morning, but it started at two. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I had the boys just me for a few hours while they were uh, doing that, and then regular collaborator and good friend of the show, Mark and his darling wife Holly, came round. We had an Indian. Excellent. Uh, and I drank quite a lot of wine, which Lovely. is not a good idea. Yeah, and then just bits and bobs. It's great, actually. Really nice bloody weekend. So, well, yeah, good, 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 fantastic. Well, we well. Uh, I suppose we better make a make a bit of a podcast. We're making mm. it early this week, obviously, because I'm um, I'm bobbing off over. What was who was that? What's that? Sorry, it's that Pablo. That? <laughs> I don't know who's you. You got food. You got water. You see him. Hey, Pabs. I can't see much. It's very pixelated because of your oh, rubbish no. internet. Um, anyway, you got a question for me, Gregory? I've got a question for you, David. What on earth is coming up on this here? Season 3, Episode 8 of Dad's on Film today. Okay, well, thank you thank you so much for asking. Okay, coming up next, we're looking at last week's movie train. Nice mug as well, which... Uh, uh, which uh, last week's movie train, which was Ricky Drace in The Invention of Lion. Then we've got some news. Then, Greg, I'm throwing a little curveball, and I've got a little spooky Halloween film quiz for you. Okay, okay. Ooh, okay, okay. okay. Timely. After that, we are going to be looking at the films of the wonderful Wes Anderson, culminating in Gregory giving us a little uh, overview of the recent release, The French Dispatch. Then we're going to jump back on that movie train. Then we're going to look at what is on the box this weekend. And then we are going to wrap up so Greg can fly to bloody Spain. There we go. Let's do this. Take a breath. We're diving in. Chugga chugga, chugga chugga. Choo choo. Mm. Sorry, a little bit of a little beer there just to wash it all down. Um okay, so last week we left the <laughs> we left the life of Brian Station and we took the <laughs> air quotes religious satire route, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> tenuous link, all yep. the way to the invention of lying station. So this yep. is um the two thousand nine a romantic comedy written and directed by Ricky Gervais, um, also co-directed by Matthew Robinson, who I am unsure who Matthew Robinson well, is. The, well, the original idea came from him, I think. Ah, uh, cool, okay. I'm, pre- I'm pretty sure it did. Um, and then sort of mm. Ricky Gervais, because you'd think it would be like very much a Ricky Gervais original idea, but I think yeah, yeah, yeah. Matthew Robinson came up with the idea and then Ricky Gervais gave it a lot of treatment. And kind of developed it a bit more. That's cool, that's cool. Together, so, yeah. 
Um, so basically, this film is set in a world where nobody has ever lied. Um, lying is is not possible. People aren't even aware of the concept of lying. They they haven't got a word for it because it's it's not a thing. Um, until one day, uh, Ricky Gervais's character uh, called uh, Mark Bellison suddenly something kind of well, you actually see it happen. Something clicks. Are you still there? Yeah, I'm still here. Oh, there you are. Sorry. Yeah, my win. I, I <laughs> closed my window and didn't realize. Um, sorry. Uh, you literally see it click in his head. Uh, all the you know the chemicals reacting, and he suddenly figures out how to lie. Brilliant concept. Absolutely brilliant concept. He's the only person in this world who is who is able to lie, and he kind of makes his life much better. Um, but actually, from the start, you kind of see he's got a bit of a conscience, so he doesn't kind of manipulate it kind of that much to a, to a certain extent. Um, you know, he he, he, he says, to the, says to a woman, um, the world's going to end unless you have sex with me right now. And she's like, have we got time to get to a motel? And, but obviously when he gets there, he's like, you know, I can't do this. And he picks up a phone. Hello, NASA. Okay, great. Thank you. We don't need to do it now. It's fine. And she's like, oh my God. Yeah. Anyway, whatever. Um, brilliant little concept. And they mar- completely marketed the film as this funny, you know, Romantic comedy. It's almost a little bit like Groundhog Day to a certain extent. You know, mm-hmm. this kind of high concept romantic comedy. Um, sure. Brilliant. But actually, when you sit down and watch this film, it is actually so much more than this This kind of silly little concept. If anything, this silly little concept leads to a much bigger picture, I suppose. Would you agree? Absolutely, yeah. Well, Ricky Gervais, Ricky, I mean, this was sort of quite on in... <clears throat> In his part of his career, when he was become, he's become like one of the main sort of spokespeople and pillarheads for sort of atheism, speaking yeah. out against religion. So you kind of got like you got Richard Dawkins, mm. Chris Hitchens, yeah, yeah, <laughs> Ricky Gervais, yeah, <laughs> yeah. the sort of first people you think of. Um, I, 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 I've I've definitely found myself down YouTube rabbit holes where people are getting yeah. air quotes hitch slapped. Yes, <laughs> absolutely, <And> it's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, um, and yeah, I'm totally I'm totally on board with that. But I mean, w- w- a lot of this this it's very, it's very tongue in cheek, and yeah. um, you can see actually having watched it back again this weekend, you know. Actually, it really, links really nice with Life of Brian because mm. a lot of the stuff Life of Brian were doing sort of very bravely all those years ago, you know, it still feels quite brave when Mickey Gervais is doing it mm. now, you know, standing in front yeah. of people with these two, with these two pizza boxes as like these... Um, <laughs> the tablets. They call them the tablets. Yeah, the tablets yeah, exactly. with the uh, Ten Commandments yeah. on it. And Ten stuff. Commandments, yeah. <laughs> and it's amazing. <laughs> but but what's so clever about it is the nuance in it is because so he'll yeah. come out with one of these com- commandments and all these people listening going, oh, yeah, but what about this? And he's like going... Well, yeah, obviously. Well, you can't do that. And I'll oh, oh, it. You uh, you get three goes, and it's just completely holding a mirror up yeah. to the whole concept of mm. you know faith in all that all that business. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So it's really, really very clever in the way it, way it does it. It's it's not without great flaws because I mean I always speak about you know and, and sometimes you, you might accuse me of getting a bit bogged down with the mechanics of stuff mm. and and really in this world where no one has ever been able to lie, it's a world which very closely otherwise resembles our world. And you start mm. thinking, well, if nobody could have ever, ever lied, <laughs> all, the, all the sort of wars that would never have been yeah, war, yeah, yeah. you know what I mean? And all, all the capitalism that would never have amounted to this, <laughs> you know. Um, but, but if you can kind of sort of put that, let's put, put that to one side. Um, 
it, it's it is it is that sort of high concept uh, rom com. You know, we've got other things. You know, you mentioned Groundhog Day. Uh, you know, Midnight in Paris, that sort mm. of thing. You know, these these mad sort of uh, almost supernatural ideas, yeah, they? yeah, sort of otherworldliness. Um, I mean, there's it, it sort of amounts. It's it's quite it's it's subtle in a way in what it's doing because mm. it never speaks about it. Never uses the G word. It never yeah. uses, it never uses the J word. Yeah, uh, <laughs> or anything like that. But then there's a bit later on in the film where his character. Uh, he's kind of like got a bit fed up, a bit down in the dumps. He gets out from bed, all his hair's grown, he's got this huge beard, he's got his bed sheet wrapped around him, and then he slips down into some sandals. <laughs> and it's just amazing. It's yeah. really cool. I mean, I don't I don't think it's objectively a great film. It's mm. and you know, and it's designed to sort of provoke, it's designed to sort of like you know. Divide opinion and get people thinking, and it wasn't a massive commercial success. But I think it's you know it's what I hadn't realised. I probably watched it once when it first came out, Mm. and actually I really really enjoyed going back and watching it again. And I think there's a lot in there that I got out of it on my second viewing. Yeah, definitely. No, I can I completely agree. I feel like it does fall into that. You know, it falls into those rom com tropes towards the end. You know where sure. He's got a winner back and all, and all you know, your you general sort of stuff. But I, I think basically Ricky's had to kind of make sacrifices to to oh, be yeah. quite as blunt as he is in the film. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah. But it, it's great. You know, I, I obviously I'm not going to use this as a soapbox, but I, I have a lot of very similar views to Ricky when it comes to faith and all that sort of stuff. Um, yeah. And I feel like he, yeah, all right, with the pizza boxes, that's probably as far as he goes in terms of like, you know, being disrespectful, I suppose. He 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 does feel almost, you know, in being a fan of Ricky Gervais and, and watching a lot of his ta- the talks he's done about, you know, atheism and things like that. Um yeah. he is it, it's quite reserved actually for him, but I think that's yeah. obviously because it's a, it's a commercial film and it I, I really I really like it. It's not for everybody yeah. as we said last week, but you know, it, it's it's all good. Would you say Gregory that the invention of lying is X-Men first class or FDR American badass? So that would be Franklin D. Roosevelt? Uh, I'll go for X-Men, please. <laughs> Good. I, I would also agree. Um, where can we see this film, Gregory? Uh, the Invention of Lying is available now on Netflix. This is the... Yoo-hoo's. Okay, first bit of news this week is this. I don't think there's much, not not much has gone on, is it, this week in, in film? Hmm. Hmm. Okay. We, well, we... maybe maybe <laughs> I think we're probably going to have to talk about this, but we'll we'll I'll do it in a minute. First All one right. then. Uh, we got the full first trailer for Uncharted. Did you see this trailer? Yeah, uh, yes, and I was a little bit disappointed in it, to be honest. Well, I've not. I've, well, as we've said before, I've not played the game. I know the only thing I know about about Uncharted is uh, Nathan Drake. Is that the character's name? It is. Yes. Good. Yeah. Good. Good. Um, so I watched this trailer thinking, well, you know, knowing nothing, went in with kind of an open mind, and I thought it looked absolutely crap. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Rubbish. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I think great. even fa- I think even good. fans of the game series. I mean. 
To be honest, it's very rare they've managed to nail that sort of um, adaptation of. A well, game. I think this is something we'll probably end up talking about when we watch when this film comes out. But I think I think it only comes out in February. But uh, right. you know, is, is this thing of you know the the video game film? Because mm. really, there's I think there's been like two good ones. Yes. Or oh, you yeah. know, passable ones. Let's park that. Yes. Okay. <laughs> good. <laughs> good to know. Good to know. Okay. Um, Greta, no, what's what's what Greta is Thunberg. the no, Greta, not that one, not that one. Um, Greta Gerwig, okay, yeah, 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 who director, di- yeah, okay. So, who directed Little Women, Tangerine, was it Tangerine? Yeah, Tangerine, uh, no, what was the one with Sasha? Um, yeah, it's called is it Tangerine, um, it's not called Tangerine, that's, no, a, that's no, no. a completely different film. Wait, it's don't horrible. tell me, it's gonna, no, oh, it's called something to do with a bird, there's a name of a bird in there, Ladybird. Ladybird, told you there's a bird in there. Tangerine, that's just a completely different <laughs> film. Uh, anyway, she is directing a uh, Barbie film, and Margot Robbie is starring as Barbie. Okay. Right. Well, I've just gone, in, in about three seconds, I've gone from, oh my God, that sounds awful. Oh, I'm in. Okay, great. <laughs> well, so this, this was announced that, you know, a few months ago, and people were like, oh, okay. What, what is, is, is it? Is it about the making of Barbie? Is it, you know, something, is it something a bit more tongue in cheek, like the Lego movie or something like that? Um, well, Ryan Gosling has joined the cast. As Ken, as Ken. Wow. so everybody's <laughs> yeah. like, I don't know what this film is gonna like. What is this film? But wow, what casting though? That's 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 two very very in demand names mm. in a Barbie film. Well, I'm just looking at it now. Wow, What's, yeah. So okay, I've got absolutely wow. Well, well, I suppose Margot Robbie, especially in like um, Wolf of Wall Street, very Barbie. Well, yeah. So, well, here's the uh, here's the plot. A doll living in Barbie land is expelled for not being perfect enough and sets off an adventure in the real world. A live-action feature film based on the popular line of Barbie toys. Is it me, or does that sound like Legally Blonde? Yes, yes, quite <laughs> it a bit. It does, doesn't it? But, I, I uh... mean, and that's it. What they will be doing <laughs> is... I mean, hope, hopefully, it, I mean, it's going to be... It's clearly going to be a very progressive film mm, designed to yeah. sort of... Um, Move forward and um, change the sort of the um, the impression, or what yeah. say, that, that you know that Barbie mm. gives. It's well, well, okay. Well, there you go. Um, so yeah, then the final bit of news, obviously, um, is as we we will all know by now, um, is the like the I suppose tragedy that sort of oh, happened. Of course, it is. Over Absolutely. the weekend. Um, yeah. So, uh, obviously, as many people know now, um, so Alec Baldwin was uh, is, is is making this film called Rust. It's a Western. And sadly, on the set over the weekend, a what he thought was a prop gun, which yeah. was not, you know, it was they, they call it a cold gun, so it's got no bullets in it. It's not got blanks mm-hmm. in it or anything like that. And what was, ha- what was actually happening, some... Um, the... Some more details were released today from the police. Uh, it, it, they were pr- rehearsing a particular yeah. shot, and he was rehearsing taking the revolver in and out of the holster and basically right. pointing it at the camera and, sh- and firing. And that that was kind of, you know, they were setting up for that shot, and he was just making sure he, he was doing it right for the yeah. uh, and w- for what the director wanted. Yeah, and re- like, um, uh, you know, ridiculously, 
on one of these goes, he fired the gun and it was loaded. Um, yeah. And, you know, sadly, um, it, it, he shot the director of photography or cinematographer. Um, yeah. Um, in the chest. I know yeah. maybe we're getting a little bit graphic, but shot her in the chest. And then obviously, uh, and, and hit the director as well in the uh, in the shoulder. Joel, the director has Joel survived. Suzy, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he has survived. But yeah, the cinematographer or director of photography, she uh, very sadly has died. But this just brings up this huge, huge uh, conversation, I suppose, in, in especially in Hollywood about... Uh, gun safety. Why do you need blanks in guns now? You know the the CGI is, oh, your know, special effects is is great. You don't yeah. need it. Um, there seems to be something going. Some, there's more going on behind the scenes for this this yeah. particular case because when we're reading up about it, they were mm. doing rehearsals. The gun was again, as we said earlier, cold. No bullets in it whatsoever, and apparently. They did off. some. They did some. Well, they did some practicing. Mm. Went for lunch. Came back. Didn't check the the armor. Didn't check the gun again. And mm. somehow, it had bullets it's, in it. We have we have not heard the last of this. And yeah, uh, there's. I mean, it's it's just so so awful and so so mm. sad. And there's the whole thing about about yeah the um the the crew. Some of the crew were sort of not happy about the working conditions mm. and um so. There's talk of like them not being happy with regards to the safety and with yeah. this gun, gun situation before. Um, they'd been four of them had been asked to leave the set and be replaced by non-union crew mm. members um, before this. Um, interestingly, um, you know the um, now I need to get this right. It's mm. I think it's the I think it's the arm. Oh no, it's the assistant director. That's it. Yeah, the assistant but he's the same AD, and it might be by pure coincidence, but the same AD that was involved in the, um, you know, the, um, it's Bruce Lee's. Oh Bruce yeah, Lee's Brandon brother. Lee the, in the Brandon crow. Lee. No, it's his son. It's his son. Oh, it's his son. Yeah. It's so in in nine, early nineties, yeah. uh, the same situation. So Brandon Lee was making the crow. Um, yeah. He'd filmed the majority of it, and there's one particular shot in the in the film, and it actually made it into the yeah, film. They kept it in. Where, didn't they? Yeah, they kept it in where. One of the actors, and actually, he's quite a well-known actor. Um, I can't remember his name off the top of my head now. Um, yeah. He fired a prop gun at Brandon Lee. It had blanks in it, but actually, you know, blanks can do a lot of damage um, and killed him. And um, what, what's it, what's interesting, and perhaps sort of um, perhaps unrelated, perhaps related, but. Um, Friend of a show we interviewed back way back on like episode five, Eric Branco, mm. cinematography, yeah. Yeah. cinematographer, direct direct photography. He's um, he's quite sort of vocal on Instagram about working conditions of um, of crew and particularly cinematographers, <clears throat> and uh, like you know the long hours they do and how thankless it is, etc. 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 And and um, he's been posting some quite interesting stuff and he's reposted this. Uh, this uh, post by a guy called Michael uh, Michael McCracken. Mm. Now, Michael, Michael McCracken, uh, I'm not exactly sure who he is, but this post is quite sort of interesting. He says, how about fewer films with violence? How about fewer films with guns? How about in- investigating why Americans have a f- obsession with guns and violence? How about not working people more than eight hours a f- day? How about more safety on sets? How about slowing the f- down? And I thought that's quite a poignant way to end it. I thought we'd not really done 
anything for Halloween. And we've not, you know, there's not been, other than Halloween Kills, there's not been that many kind of, uh, you know, horror film, new horror films released. And I think I said this last year, it's like, I've, I don't I, I don't generally go out of my way to watch horror films. I'm, I'm mm. just not, it's not my sort of thing. I mean, th- that said, mm-hmm. had such a good time with you at Invisible Man this time yeah, last year. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, well, next right. week as well, we've got uh, Last Night in Soho, which yes. isn't, I think isn't a straight up horror but you know it's uh, a bit of a thriller and i'm quite looking forward to that one i think i'm going to go like friday afternoon i think, I think so i think mo- i think monday i'm going to go because it's i get back on you, yeah, yeah. Sunday, so i might go monday yeah i got a window on friday afternoon excellent i think, I, I think i'll i'll put lever in if if you don't mind oh, then, that's okay uh, you can borrow yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, mark lever and holly went watching june on the imax on sunday you know yeah um, oh is it imax yeah I've messaged Lever to give him yes. letters, yes. letters yes. know yes. his thoughts on June. What up, Dads on Film? Uh, just wanted to address some of the harsh words that you guys spoke last week um, uh, concerning June. Me and uh, some other regular listeners, you know, uh, went and watched it at the IMAX, and we heartily disagreed with what you had to say. Um, it, is, it is hard work, um, but sometimes that's, that's okay. It's worth it. I mean... I kind of considered it the Sunday roast of uh, films, whereas, you know, your Marvels are your cake and ice cream, a bit more easier and palatable. Um, I mean, you were saying it was hard to follow, but I I, I, didn't, I don't think so. I think I think a pair of you have just got baby head and a, a pair of lazy bastards, quite frankly. I think that's why you were finding it hard to follow. Um, and the ending, I didn't think was too abrupt either. I mean, for a film that's, you know, going to be, we know it's going to be part of multiple films, I think it ended in a perfectly acceptable place. Um, I, I kind of thought it was kind of similar to the ending of the first Lord of the Rings film. It kind of ended in a similar sort of place and uh, fashion. Um, so, yeah, and it looked amazing in IMAX. So, there. Anyway, anyway, anyway. So I thought I'd just throw together a quick little spooky Halloween horror quiz for you. And the concept is is quite easy. I'm going to read you the uh, synopsis, a very short synopsis of a film, okay? And a lot of these films are off, um, will regularly appear on the 100 worst horror films ever list, okay? okay? And what I'd like you to do is just have have a guess at what you think the title of these films might be. Oh, so it might, okay. it's not going to be something I, I will know. I don't think you will see have seen any of these films. Okay? okay. But that's not the point. It's just listen to what I'm saying sometimes, Greg. The clue is in the question. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, just, have, just have a guess. And to be honest, I okay. don't think you'll be that far off a lot of these. So question number one. <clears throat> okay. I'm looking for the title of the film. A black hole hits North Wisconsin. Okay. And opens the door to another dimension. Giant 15-meter spiders emerge from it who have an appetite for human flesh. Dr. Jenny Langer and Dr. Vance from NASA, apparently, (laughs) try to save the world. Okay, so we've we've got giant spiders coming in, you know, from a wormhole from space, and they're coming onto the planet. What do we think this film might be called? I mean, are we going on the same sort of little titles like Snakes on a Plane? Pretty much, yes. <laughs> spiders out of a black hole? Spiders out of a wormhole? <laughs> Maybe not quite as literal as that. <laughs> but you, you're not far off. That that film, of, of course, Greg, <laughs> you'll kick yourself, was Giant Spider Invasion. 
Wow. There you go. That was from <laughs> wow. the 1977, I think. Okay, here we go. The next one. This one stars Paris Hilton. Okay. Um, nine okay. friends. That's quite important. Nine okay. friends are stranded in an isolated Scottish manor house when a centuries-old spirit is unleashed. Only one will survive. I don't Whoa. think it's the Paris Hilton film I have seen. <laughs> house of Wax. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, nine friends. Nine. Stranded. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Three. And only one will survive. Um. Oh, that nine. Very close, Greg. That one, of course, we've all seen it. Is nine lives? Nine lives, of course. There you nine go. Lives. Yeah. I get it. Okay. Okay, question three. This is great content. <laughs> a New York City detective investigates mysterious deaths occurring 48 hours after users log on to a horrifyingly named website. Ooh. Ooh. So... This one nothing to do with Paris Hilton. No. <laughs> no. Uh, might be, 40, little... 48 on. hours to live? No. Nope. No, that is called fear.com, but actually okay. spell F-E-A-R-D-O-T-C-O-M. I was going to say K-O-C-O-M, but fear.com. And I've actually wow. sadly seen that film. Okay, let's wow. move on. Question four. A zombie epidemic takes hold inside a Nebraskan strip club. That's all you need to know. Z- Nebraskan zombies? <laughs> zombies in Nebraska? Well, Stripper let- zombies. Stripper zombies. Zombie strippers. Yeah! <laughs> I actually had that on DVD at one point. Zombie what? strippers. There you go. Okay. Well done. One. Okay. Question five. The tenth film in the Friday the Thirteenth franchise sees Jason Voorhees cryogenically frozen and brought back to life on a spaceship in the twenty-fifth century. The tenth instalment of the Halloween. Uh, sorry, of the Friday the Thirteenth. Franchise. Friday the 23rd. <laughs> Sadly not, Greg. We were looking for Jason X. Ah, oh, Jason X. Jason X. Okay, oh well. Question six. This We're doing well. <laughs> On a late night visit to an ATM, three co-workers end up in a desperate fight for their lives when they become trapped by an unknown man. What do we think there, Gregory? Cash point murder. (laughs) (laughs) See what you see. See what you see. (laughs) On a late night visit to an ATM, three co-workers end up in a desk. What do you think it might be called, Greg? They're trapped in an ATM. Like like an automatic transaction machine? Yes. So they're trapped in an ATM. ATM... (laughs) Great, well done. Okay, let's move right, on. Just call, to... it's just called ATM. Okay, right, right, okay. <laughs> we'll move a bit quicker. Genetically mutated bats escape, and it's up to a bat expert and a local sheriff to stop them. Zombie bats? <laughs> Why are they zombies? <laughs> Killer bats? <laughs> it, close. It, that, that one, we're just looking for. Bats. Just bats on that one, Greg. Just bats. Okay, these last three you probably won't get, 
but I just they get, they get progressively more ridiculous. Okay, I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying it. Question eight. Yeah, Greg, join yep. Sarah and her friends as they celebrate her birthday in a haunted Burkitt Manor. The evil within the house has awoken though, and has brought along some uninvited guests. So we're joining Sarah and her friends to celebrate her birthday party. So what do we think that might be called? I don't think you're going to get it, but, you know. Birthday party gate crashes. No, it's called It's My Party and I'll Die If I Want To. Oh, wow. I like that one. Yeah, good. Okay. Question nine. We're nearly there. You might get this one, actually. A medical student sets out to recreate his decapitated fiance by building her a new body made from Manhattan Street prostitutes. Wow. So what's that what's that wow. reminding you of? Toy Story, Sid. <laughs> <laughs> well well obviously it's based off a, a classic literary novel, isn't it? Let me read it again. A medical student sets out to recreate his decapitated fiance by building her. Oh, Frankenstein! Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. okay. So made out of Manhattan Street prostitutes. Frankenstein hookers. I'll give it you, Franken hooker. There you go. Fantastic. Good. Okay. (laughs) And then finally, question ten. A group of hot college girls decide to raise money and pulses by donning <laughs> by donning bikinis for a car wash. But a maniac chef is prowling about to get a cut of the action. So what do we think that one might be called? So it's a group of hot college girls who are raising money and pulses by donning bikinis for a car wash. What do we think? Um... <laughs> I mean, I don't know. <laughs> three course car wash. I don't know. A bit more right. literally that. Here we go. I'll, I'll give you that. I'll, I'll, I'll give you this one. It's, it's obviously, and it's a classic bikini bloodbath car wash. Wow. I was well thinking of the chef thing. I was thinking. I don't know what the, the chef like. What, I mean, I don't think it needs to be a chef, if I'm perfectly honest. But whatever. There you go. Got easy <laughs> access to knives. He's got an alibi. <laughs> Why were you carrying a knife? I'm a chef. I'm a surgeon. <laughs> wow. Well, that was that was after we edited that was after you edited about twenty of those out. We've yeah. been here all night. We've been here all <laughs> off. Wow. Well, good. Happy Halloween, everybody. <laughs> Love it. I'm surprised we've not really discussed. Wes Anderson as much already uh, uh, well as we're, as we're about to I don't really know where I'm going with that one you know <laughs> yeah. on the movie train a few months ago we spoke about the life aquatic and we you know we had we had a bit of time talking about some of his other films however Wes Anderson has a new film out the French dispatch which came out uh last week um two two, two Timothy Chalamet films released on the uh, the same week absolutely weekend. excellent yeah. excellent so we thought what we do is um Go through his, you know, his, his his main films, his kind of ten main films. Have yeah. a chat about them. I've I've seen them all, apart from the French Dispatch. I think you've seen majority of them, haven't you? Yeah, uh, I've not seen Bottle Rocket, but that's kind of before he was got his mm, style really sort of. Yeah, I don't think yeah, I've seen Moonrise yeah. Kingdom, uh, but I've pretty much now seen 
all the, I've not seen our dogs actually, but you've seen that this week. Mm, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So what um, we thought we'd do is kind of go through them, have a little chat about each one. You know, not go into yeah. too much detail, but we're culminating with the French dispatch, and Greg is going to talk us through, uh, give us his thoughts uh, uh, about it. I really did try and, and get to see it this weekend, but yeah. sadly, it's just not happened. Okay, so. No. Let's start with this first feature release. Um, so this is 1996, and this is called Bo- Bottle Rocket. I, I yeah. saw this film, um, not when it first came out, obviously, but when I think I was, maybe I was in college, um, and I'd seen the role Tenenbaums and a few others first, and I was like, I wanted to you know, watch more. So I yeah. went back, and actually it was a short film that he made at, at college, um, and yeah. then basically they got funded and, and, and made it you know, into a feature. Um, and although it's not... You know, it's not like your classic Wes Anderson. There's still things there that you can recognise. First of all, you've got the cast. You've got Owen Wilson. You've got Luke Wilson in there. This is his only one without the, the fabulous Bill Murray. But obviously, yeah. he was just starting out. Um, you do have some of his calling cards. You, you've got that kind of quirky humour, that off humour. Mm. Um, we see some other kind of act, actors popping up who we kind of recognise as small parts in other films. And it's just got that slightly odd quality to it which we you know we've 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 learned to love from from Wes Anderson films and all it is it's just three friends plan to pull off a simple robbery and then go on the run and that's literally it that's all the film is about so not too much to say about it. it's not you know it's not your classic Wes Anderson but he's he's, mm. he's finding his feet with it and it and it's good fun um, yeah it's not yeah. quite as charming as some of the others but but there we go okay Okay, like cool. Like so, 1998 mm. then, Rushmore. And uh, mm. I, I, and probably a while since I've seen this, but I, I mean, as, as I remember it, very much, uh, I mean, not, again, not really got the obvious hallmarks throughout the film of mm. Wes Anderson. It's a bit more sort of conve- conventionally shot uh, in many aspects. However, there are a lot of shots where you start to spot the symmetry. So, mm. Wes Anderson, if you're not familiar with Wes Anderson, I think it's a good time to sort of step in yeah, and yeah. sort of go, he is an absolutely unique filmmaker in his in his particularly visual style, but also writing style as well. Um, his his films are just absolutely unmistakable. And there's a few things that you you know you you you'd sort of spot there. First of all, it, it's the symmetry. It's the fact that everything is sort of like lined up there perfectly. Um, there's like a, a certain balance to everything. You've also got a certain you know bright color tones and sort of um, slight sort of jarring sort of. Uh, synthetic sort of mm. colour tones that are yeah. all, all from a sort of certain palette that may, might take you back sort of quite often to like 60s, that sort of thing. Mm. Um, but the most striking thing really is um, that they call it like plane metric backgrounds. So mm. like where everything, if you, so if the camera is always perpendicular to maybe like a back wall or, uh, you know, the set, everything's everything there is parallel with each mm. other. And and the effect you get off that is th- there's there's an art style. Do you, are you familiar with decoupage? It's where like mm. you you build up different sort of layers of of images yeah. at different heights that come out of the picture, and you get all this as you sort of walk past it. You get this like perspective thing whereby yeah. everything is out of line from an angle, and then as you go to go square on with it everything sort of falls into place of how it's sort of designed to be. And it's because of this sort of almost like layering of the set design, layering of the 
of the performers of the cast of the props and things like that so that when when you get like a trolley a dolly shot rather mm. uh, that comes again parallel uh, with with any sort of wall, if you like, everything's very much at ninety degrees. It kind of comes across, and everything falls in place. Yeah. And and in and we'll speak about more of this in time, I'm sure. But like in Rushmore, it's the first time where you get just some elements of that. Mm. So like in a room, quite often, you know, it, things will be sometimes and not all the time at mm. ninety at ninety degrees to each other. In the sort of writing as well, it's this ex- eccentricity, isn't it? Because so Rushmore is about this. Um, so I called Max Fisher, and he's a and he's a, a student. He's quite eccentric. He's got a scholarship at this private school called mm. Rushmore. Is it Rushmore Academy? Academy? Yeah. Um, and uh, he he kind of he struggles into ultimately he sort of gets kicked out, doesn't he? But not before he he sort of befriends this doctor who'd come to speak at an assembly played by Bill Murray, uh, mm. and. Then he kind of it goes. He kind of basically falls in love with his teacher, doesn't he? Or yeah. he get he gets a book out from the library and it's got a note in it, hasn't it? And he finds out that he's got infatuated with this note, and he goes and f- finds out that it's from this teacher from the school, and he basically falls in love with her. Um, the, the one thing, the main thing you'll sort of note from this, it's and I, again, it's because it's much earlier on in Wes Anderson's career is it's the use of actually. Um, on loca- like location shots, he yeah. tends to work very, you know, regularly on big sets and big kind sure. of elaborate, like you know, I say well elaborate to a certain extent, but we'll probably get into mm-hmm. that in a, in a little bit later. But there's there's only a few films where he works actually on location. So we've got Life Aquatic, Darjeeling Unlimited, yeah. um, obviously because of you kind of limited of where those films are set. But this one. You know, mm. you're in a high school, you're in a gymnasium. Whereas later on, he probably would have just had those built and made them look a little bit fake. But that's yeah. kind of the point. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah, it, it's it's a really cool film. This is this is the film that a lot of people started falling in love with Wes Anderson, and it's I love it because obviously you've got your intro with Bill Murray, and it, it's his start in his relationship with Jason Schwartzman, which they yes. work together quite a lot. You know, moving forward. Um, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant, 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 brilliant. So Rushmore, after Rushmore, it is possibly my favourite Wes Anderson film, uh, and it's The Royal Ten of Arms. I adore this film. I just love it. It And the reason is, and I've, I say this a few times about particular films, it just hit me at the perfect time. You know, yeah. 2001 it came out. That's when I was starting to kind of really understand films a little bit. I was, what, 2001, 12, something like that. So I was starting yeah. to kind of, my eyes were being opened a little bit more to films and not just, I, m- I remember, I remember I saw something online. It was like the best comedy of the year, laugh out loud, humor, you know, this sort of stuff. I was like, oh, this is going to be good. I remember bloody renting it on, um, we were on like Telly West or some daft like pre pre sky cable kind of thing and i said to my dad it was a saturday afternoon i'm gonna rent this and my dad was like yeah cool whatever it's not got bits in it is it and i was like like, watch it it's fine um put it on and it wasn't it's not and the thing the thing with wes anderson is very you know his films are comedies but yeah. they're not like it's. You don't get that many proper laugh out loud. You know, belly laughs. It's not that type of humor. It's no. it, it's it's humor that will sit with you. And the and it's the the, the the kind of humor and the comedy like. 
builds yeah. throughout the film and it all yeah. culminating, you know, in one particular big sequence or air quotes big sequence. I'd never seen anything like it. Go on, stop waving your comb at me. Yeah, I'm just, just coming in and say, like, it's, I think it's a good time to say that um, whilst I don't disagree with you, I think if anyone sat here thinking, I've never seen a Wes Anderson film, and on David Gregg's recommendation, I'm, I'm sure to go <laughs> and watch a Wes Anderson film and love it. Like, I'd just, I'd just take caution because there's every chance you'll dive into a Wes Anderson film yeah. and you'll absolutely hate it. And mm. even I consider myself someone who, who is a fan of Wes Anderson mm. and I will always, always, always admire his filmmaking. Yeah. But that doesn't mean to say that I always fi- find his films enjoyable to watch. And I remember mm. when I first watched Royal Tenenbaums, and it was at your house. Oh, and really? I just, okay. And and I think you've got to be in a mood for Wes Anderson. Yeah, films. yeah, yeah. And I just I sat there. I remember sat there thinking, I'm just not. This is I'm not. Fe- <laughs> and, and like and, and now retrospectively, like I get it. Like, yeah. But. But if you're into comedy, like like you say, if you're into comedy films, don't expect to go in and get some like mm. a frat pack film that you're yeah. going to sort of like be. Well, well that's it. Like you know, that. you look at this film. That that was my point, though. It was like, you know, obviously the marketing, they know what they're doing. They're, you know, they're trying to get as many people to see it as, as they can. This film's got Ben Stiller, Owen Wilson. You know what <laughs> yeah. I mean? It's like, okay, I get it. Oh, it's going to be that type of film. It's yeah. not yeah. that type no. of film. And I that and that. It blew my mind that it wasn't that type of thing, but actually, when you yeah. kind of get to know that film, it's beautiful. It's not. It, yeah. It's so much more than just you know, a not slightly off comedy. It is really, really beautiful that but, film and the use of like. There's a particular, well, particular Elliot Smith song, uh, yeah. "Needle in the Hay," and it's in this particular this this bloody heartbreaking scene. Oh, oh yeah, I love yeah. that film so much. So, so after this. Obviously, we, we got the Life Aquatic, which we spoke in quite a lot of detail uh, a few months ago. Um, yeah. I, I tend to find, and again, you could probably argue this with the Royal Tenenbaums, but he, he tends to do like a really good one, and then yeah. the next one isn't so great. Yeah. And then he'll do a really good one, and then, or he'll do like a really good one, and then the, co- the next two are kind of like, mm, they're all right, but then he'll come yeah. back and do a, a, a blinder. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I love Life Aquatic, but again, I think you you felt fairly similar. Like it, it, it's a bit too out there, and you know, I like was, Life Aquatic because you can see him trying other things as well. You know, he's trying a little bit yeah. of animation and stop motion and things like that in there as well. But I just love the fact that Bill Murray gets sent a stage in this one. Bill Murray should get sent a stage in every single film. Yeah, but actually in this, you know, if you kind of break it down, it doesn't it doesn't work. So mm, yeah. He learns and then puts him on the side, you know, sidelines him again. Do you know what I mean? Best thing about this film is Pele de Santos, yeah, a safety yeah. expert and yeah. a Brazilian guitarist. He sits there just singing David Knock Bowie songs Ned. in Portuguese. Knock out Ned from City of God. Right. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That, yeah. Right. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Well, there yeah. you go. Life Aquatic. Okay. So this this backs up my point. Um, 2007, and it's mm. probably his, his wildest out there film, um, yeah. to actually make this is the Darjeeling Limited so this film is it's filmed com- entirely in India and the majority of this film is set on a train and it was a working train and a, it feet, was an actual train to do I know it. and yeah. you think knowing you know knowing Wes Anderson and his kind of style I think uh, they, they probably just build something you know and put it on some elaborate system where you know yeah. they can just film but actually no what they do is the cast would get up the I saw an interview quite recently with Adrian Brody, and Adrian Brody's really good in this film, actually. Um, yeah. He's like, no makeup, 
nothing. We had to kind of wear, you know, the suits that they were and They were like, you're in charge of that suit. Hang it up at the end of the day. Wow. You know, wear it back to your hotel or whatever. Hang it up. Yeah. Bring it in the next day. We want you to feel like you've lived in, in it. You know, that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, and what yeah. they did was every single morning, they'd get on this train at 6 a.m., film to the end of the line, film back wow. to where they started, get off, and that's it. And then they'd do it again the next day. And they were like, it was wild. It was tough, yeah. but yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. whatever. But yeah. again, I feel like this is it's that's ace and it's brilliant. And, and you know, there's, there's, there's some really nice kind of like, it's all about the, these, these three brothers and they're trying to get to the, the father has died and they're trying to get to the mum. Uh, yeah. who's in is Angelica Houston again. I think this is the third time he's worked with her. Um, yeah. And they've got to get to, I can't remember the full insights, but they've got to get to the mum for a particular reason. But it's it's really nice kind of brotherly relationship and watching these relationships like grow and evolve. It's, it's lovely. However, for me, it's, it's one of his more self-indulgent films and it doesn't quite work for me. Yeah, it's it's a good it's a good time to point out that one of the one of the things that a lot of Wes Anderson films have is this like narrative 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 how do you say that narrative device narrative yeah narrative well, narrative, device. narrative device narrative yeah. narrative, <laughs> narrative device there you go we'll go with that so like um Rush, Rushmore is like a, a play yeah Max makes plays of films so he does yeah. a school play of Apocalypse Now <laughs> yes and, and the whole thing is like one of the very Wes Anderson things is they have these sort of theatre stages, uh, these mm. curtains that sort of come in and out uh, between sort of different parts of the film. Um, Tenenbaums is about a, a book, so the whole sort of the, mm. the whole the whole film is 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 going through a book. Uh, Life Aquatic is like there's a documentary film within the film mm. yeah. that's being made, and sort of that's the device there. Mm. Um, and I think Darjeeling Darjeeling Limited aren't they writing the book whilst they're on the on the train? Yeah, they? I think That's so. It is a while since I've seen it. Um, but yeah, yeah. And later on, we'll speak about the French Dispatch mm. in a similar sort of way. That's you know, it's got that that, that narrative device mm. that it's using to sort of like overarch over the whole film. And and it's just like a nice little quirk, I think, which pretty mm. much. Most of his most of his films have that sort of like a reason the film exists is because of something like a book or a play or something like yeah. that. It's, it's kind of using that uh, to sort of frame the whole thing. That's a good, yeah, frame it. Yeah, um, really. Perfect. So cool. Um, and Dodgy Unlimited does that, and so that takes us on to speaking of books. Are we done with Dodgy Ooh. Unlimited? Yeah, we're done. Uh, yeah, uh, the two thousand nine Fantastic Mr. Fox, and I remember watching this when I was at university, and I was so excited for it. Mm. Uh, because huge fan of Old Doll, big fan of Fantastic Mr. Fox, and uh, what what an idea to get Wes Anderson to come mm-hmm. and make a make a Old Doll book, mm. uh, and not only that, um, completely animated one. It's just yeah. and and it's, the effects. Stop, and when we say animated, we're not talking motion. computer graphics. It's stop motion. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, now. It's, it's, I mean, and it's not even like Wallace and Gromit. So you've got that sort of, you know, you, you've got that sort of parallel sort of framing, the planimetric mm. backgrounds and things like that. But with the, with the animation, and I was, I was reading into this. So he insists on, on Fantastic Mr. Fox and on Isle of Dogs, which I've not seen, but we'll talk about it in a little mm-hmm. bit, obviously, in using real animal for, for the, for the <laughs> characters controversially, right? And the reason he does that is because, 
Um, when the animators are like handling it between shots, it, it creates like an imprint in them when they're moving it and it imprints on the fur and makes it sort of like mm. move to different positions. And it gives that that give that, that sort of ripple effect that you get on the on the model as as it's being animated. And um, I, I, th- I think I read it was inspired by, you know, like the early King Kong film where mm. King Kong is like stop yeah, motion yeah, yeah. animated sort of thing. It's the same on that. Like you can see the fur sort of lip, rippling between it. And apparently synthetic fur, sorry, synthetic mm-hmm. fur um, doesn't do that same sort of thing. But he wanted to leave that imprint on it. Yeah. And when you think about it, a lot of what Wes Anderson does is he, it's almost like he, he has no shame in sort of pulling back that curtain to yeah. the filmmaking and kind of like showing that sort of behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of his stylistic choices are almost to remove you from the fact that, you know, you're watching a film sort of thing and kind of go, oh, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, well, yeah. It's, a, it's a film we're doing, we're making there's, this happen. There's almost like, and, and this probably isn't a word, but like an imperfect ness yeah. to but to all of his films although oh, they yeah. are very very meticulously planned yes and you know with with the symmetry and all that sort of stuff and the very you know nobody else could make a wes anderson film they're they're so you know they are mm. so perfect in wes anderson's world but actually there's a scrappiness to them but yeah. that's the beauty of it and i think uh, fantastic mr fox is is a prime example of that it looks a bit yeah. But that's the point. But actually, yeah. it's not shit. It's so, so beautifully made and beautifully crafted, and yeah. you know everything. When you actually break it down, and if you were there looking at, you know, looking at the models, you'd be like, "Oh my god, this is incredible!" But actually, yeah. as a whole, it looks crap. But that's the <laughs> point, and it's yeah. there's something very charming. There's something a bit, a bit punky about it. Do you know what I mean? Love it. And cool. probably a good time. So eighty-seven minutes, and it's a good time to say that actually. Pretty much all Wes Anderson films come in at a very disciplined sort of ninety minute mm-hmm. there or thereabouts yeah. mark. So it's and, always. And I, feel like the, I feel like the reason is though, but if it's any longer, I think you'd get a bit irritated. Oh, massively. by this by the, this it's, world, this kind of quirky, sarcastic world. Do you know what I mean? It's like a it's like a very rich food. Like you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Couldn't couldn't handle more than just a, a small portion. Yeah, really. definitely, definitely. Yeah. So, um, really. Is his past three films hadn't done that well. So we got Life Aquatic, yeah. we got Dodgy Unlimited, and Fantastic Mr. Fox didn't perform as well as people would have expected it to. No. So, you know, took a little bit of a break, and then in 2012, he comes back with this coming-of-age, beautiful film, and I know you've not seen it. Um, no. This is Moonrise Kingdom, and basically it's about a pair of young lovers. They flee the New England town, which causes a local search party uh, to fan out and, and find them, and it's quite simple. That's it. You know, these two, the pen pals, essentially, and then they, they quickly fall in love, and they're very young. They're only about 10, 11, something mm. like that, these two kids, mm. um, and the, the whole town is coming to find them, and it is so beautiful this film if you know it is funny you've got you've got your, your standard wes anderson quirks in there as well but i mm. i think and i think the reason this film works so well is there is a there's a childishness <laughs> to yeah. wes anderson's films and whether that's you you know the way the way they look the way people behave and i feel like up until now he'd not really had that many kids in his films no, do you know what no, i mean that's right yeah, but yeah actually yeah. putting the two main protagonists as mm. kids 
Yeah. It just clicked and there was just magic. And this yeah. film did really, really well. I think it even got nominated for some Oscars. Um, right. And then whether, you know, whether that means anything to anyone, you know, whatever. But it, it just worked so well. And people kind of got back on board with Wes Anderson films. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. So I highly recommend recommend Moonrise Kingdom. I think you would absolutely cool. love it. It's great. It's great. Nice. Which then leads us to... Probably his Possibly most commercial, commercially most successful. Commercial. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Do you want to tell us a little <laughs> bit about the Grand Budapest Hotel, Gregor? Yeah, so 2014, comedy drama. Uh, and you've got uh, Ray Fiennes in there um, mm. as sort of like the, the main. So Ray Fiennes plays uh, Monsieur Gustave, <laughs> uh, the, the um, concierge at the Grand yeah. Budapest Hotel. Um, but the sort of heart of the story and sort of like the main um, sort of plot, plot thread throughout is uh, Zero Mustafa. And really what it is, is it's like, a, it's like, I guess it's like a rags to riches story because he had, yeah. he starts off as like the bellboy, doesn't he? Yeah, the lobby uh, boy. And, uh, the lobby boy is. And, my uh, lobby boy. <laughs> yes. And, um, but again, as sort of plot device, you've got, you've got this author for, for the Grand Duke yeah. Suta and he sat down with um, the then owner, Mm. Zero, the elderly Zero, who yeah. basically tells the story about how he came in as the lobby boy and sort of, you know, how his time through the hotel mm. there around it has, uh, has sort of developed. And it's it's um, it's really really it's beautiful, it's thrilling, it's, it's exciting, it's mad, it's absolutely bonkers. Um, mm. The story the story that plays out, but the, but it, there's something wonderful about this otherworldliness of this hotel that's yeah. set in a sort of like. I, I, would you call it? Well, it's not Alpine, is it? Because it's Budapest, but it's like. Um, it, well, it's not set in Budapest. That's the thing. It's, oh, no, it's, that's it's a, a fictional country that it's set in, right. but it's like an well, Eastern European Alpine. country. Yeah, yeah but yeah, it's yeah. like that sort of mountain yeah. sort of thing, yeah. isn't it? So yeah, yeah, yeah. Because there's like right. a cable car that you've got to get. Yeah, to that's that's that. Yeah, hundred and seventy-two point nine million US dollars at the mm. box office. So pretty, 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 pretty uh, huge film. Really, and it's probably the film that most people have seen, and I'd say it's probably the film of his that's most accessible. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, yeah that's a, maybe Moonrise Kingdom. To be, I know you've not seen right. it. So the brings us to 2018. So you, this weekend, you've done Isle of Dogs. I haven't. Yeah. I've done French Dispatch. You haven't. So go on, Isle of Dogs. Tell us a little bit about it. Yeah. So um, quite simple. It, it's it's a again um, Wes Anderson going back to the stop motion. Completely stop motion style, which he kind of uh, honed in on um, Fantastic Mr. Fox. And basically all it is, it's set in Japan um, and it's this kind of quest. This boy loses his dog and we spend a lot of time um, with with a lot of dogs basically living on this kind of rubbish tip in Japan. Okay. But the, be- the beauty of it is the dogs all speak English, okay? Yeah. And okay. then when the Japanese people speak, it's subtitled I love it, That's and great. it's just people are like, well, why, 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 you know, why are you doing it that way? Or like, so, but then sometimes it's not subtitled because it's like, well, the dogs can't understand them, so yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, and so it's yeah. really, it's really, really, really interesting the way it does it. Lovely little story, again, probably not quite as accessible, um, and not, you know, not quite overall as enjoyable as some of his other films. But you've got a great cast. Uh, Brian Cranston's in there. You've got a lot of your kind of regular, regular hitters in there as well. Not much more to say about it, really. It's 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 a Wes Anderson film. 
Yeah. You know, if you like it, you like it. It's, it's probably not for me. For me, it's not one of his best. But yeah. there we go. Okay. Which okay. now leads us to the French Dispatch. So, French Dispatch. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, came, so it came out on Friday. And um, I'd, I, so, so I went to see it at the cinema, obviously, on, on a huge screen. And I think it's the first Wes Anderson film, possibly, that I've seen at the cinema, interestingly okay. enough. Um, and and you wouldn't think like of a, a Wes Anderson film being that sort of cinematic but yeah, yeah yeah what i appreciate more than so i'm going in i know where's anderson by now and i know what to expect and that um, but what i appreciate in this film was was just the, the scale of the visual so i'm, I'm mm. used to the visual but it's the, the scale when you when you've got it on that scale you get the detail and you're in there with it and you can yeah like if you i found my gaze sort of like turn into like the ornament, the, the the layout of the ornaments on a table right, and yeah, things yeah, like yeah. that. So anyway, um, French French Dispatch. It's um, it it's like it's a supplement of a newspaper, hmm. um, and uh, the the editor of it, uh, Arthur Howitzer Jr., who's played by Bill Murray, he dies of a heart attack really early, early on. If you think, all oh, right, we're not getting any more Bill Murray, but um, what happens is they they according to his 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 hit. His wish is expressed in his will. Um, the, when he dies, the public, publication of this um, supplement gets immediately suspended after one final farewell issue. So that's and they use this final farewell issue as the sort of as the layout of the whole film. So basically, mm. what it's it's almost like you are the reader flicking through this final issue mm. because the way it splits it up is it does it by article and this issue is made up of uh, of past three articles from past editions of the of the paper that are sort of republished along with an obituary at the end uh so you got you got three stories if you like so it's a bit like in a way it's like three vignettes almost put together and there's not really that much that links them at all there's no overarching like narrative apart from the fact that Bill Murray dies, and, <laughs> and it's like, it's the final, and so it kind of comes together towards the end of like, well, okay, well that's it, that's the that's the yeah. fa- that's the final edition. So um, you've got the first one, which is uh, Moses Rosenthaler, who's like a, it's a Benicio del Toro, okay, and yeah. uh, he's mentally disturbed art, artist living in a prison, <laughs> uh, but but his muse is the prison guard. Um, Play, played by um, Lisa so who's obviously from Bond. Um, mm. She's the prison guard. What she did, they start sort of like strangely sort of falling for each other. And basically every day he gets time to come out of his um, literally straight jacket um, mm. to, pay, to paint her completely nude, as it happened. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, um, it, and it's the story about how his, how his art gets discovered and how he becomes this huge sort of like artist but it's mm. all with again the narrative of it being the sort of like the um uh, within the article um second one's a little bit weird weirder this is the uh timothy Sh- T- timothy mm. timothy i need to stop saying you that keep that. doing that timothy 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 uh timothy <laughs> Timothy Chalamet, uh, basically, he's like the student revolutionary uh, that he and he falls for weirdly. Francis McDormand, who's like the journalist mm. who, who is profiling their revolutionaries, right. uh, and yeah, it's like the escapades of them. And there's, like, I, I, I can't fully—I'll be honest with you—can't fully remember that one. Uh, <laughs> and then the last one is 
Um, it's the private dining room of police of a police commissioner. So it's Jeffrey Wright, and what yes. he's, he's got this. Um, it's not a photo memory. It's like he remembers text. He remembers every word he's ever written, and he right. sat there um, in an interview, sort of recalling uh, this article uh, that he wrote. Um, and it's about this police commission, police commissioner, who um, his son gets kidnapped, and there's um, there's a chef involved, and it's like it, it's it's crazy caper. But and through all that, I don't really sell it, and I know I don't sell it, yeah. and I'm not really sold on the plot either. Okay, and and I didn't. Some of the time, I didn't really know what was going on, but I I absolutely loved it because. I just sit in awe of Wes Anderson and, I, mm. and I'll just sit back and I'll watch his visuals and I'll let some of it go over me and I'll just be taken in by the amount of detail that's in there and the amount of passion that's in there. And and I think, you know, to sort of sum up all his work, that's what's in all of his films. That's amazing. Cool. Yeah. Well, I'll def- I'm definitely going to try and get to see The French Dispatch at some point soon. Yeah. So, But Greg, would you say that The French Dispatch is... Despicable Me or Leprechaun 3? <laughs> Despicable Me, please, David. And where can we see The French Dispatch? The French Dispatch is available in cinemas now. All right, then, all aboard that movie train. So we are now at the Invention of Lion Station. Gregory, where the hell are we going now? Well, Invention of Lion, uh, amongst others, you know, we spoke about it earlier, but it stars Ricky Gervais, obviously, Jennifer Garner, uh, Louis C.K., Tina Fey, people like that. However, it also stars Jonah Hill. And Mm. I thought, what an opportunity to get on the Jonah Hill line and take us right back early on in Jonah Hill's career to mm. to the wonderful and probably one of my favorite in fact I'm going to say it I don't think there's I don't think there's a coming of age comedy that I like more than super bad oh. <laughs> I'm, I'm so excited to watch super bad so again yeah. so funny <laughs> it, it it is legit one of the funniest films like for yeah. for me again I know it's all you know yeah. um like People won't find that funny, but I lit. I think that for me, that is one of the funniest films. I, I, gig, I giggle at the thought of it. Just what, what, uh, what are you well, saying? We'll, we'll... <laughs> <laughs> Take that whisker off. You're like Aladdin. Um, anyway, we will get into that next week. Where can we see Superbad, Gregory? Yeah. Superbad is available on Netflix. I cannot wait. Woo! Okay then, Gregory, what the hell is on the box for you this week? A little bit of a roll doll link uh, for you, Ooh. so I'm going to go for, and and to link with Halloween, but a nice family Halloween film. But I t- take caution because this film yeah. is terrifying in parts. Yeah. It's the 1990 version of The Witches, which I will take over the 2020 version oh. any day. Absolutely, that was a horrible film. Actually, actually <laughs> and, so crap. Yeah, and um, not just not just linked by Roald Dahl, uh, but also linked by Angelica Houston. 
Jonah Hill. <laughs> yeah, Angela Keaton, bloody brilliant in that one. Um, Michael Palin plays one of the witches, and uh, they don't they don't zoom in on him or anything. He's just there, and it's Michael okay. Palin. Love it, cool. love it. What okay. do you got? I am going for um, Friday, uh, the 29th, obviously, today. Nine o'clock on Horror Channel. Mm, One we spoke about probably this year. And it's that very odd, slightly timeless horror film, It Follows. Do you remember this? Ah, yeah. Love that. Who put us onto that? Was it Mark put us onto that? I think he did, yeah, because me and Mark really, really like it. So Mark recommended it. I'm pretty sure he did. Love it. It's a it's a standout horror for the past maybe ten years. Really, really yeah, enjoy it. Really so cool. Film. I'm looking forward to it. I'm gonna make Max watch some horror films this weekend as well, just to get in the old Halloween spirit. Yeah boy. Yeah boy. Let us know what you guys are watching on the box this week. And there we have it. Yep. Cool. Right. Well, I need, to, I need to get packed. Yeah, let's not drag this out. We need, we need to get packed. <laughs> I, do you know what? To be fair, I, I tell a lie. What I'm going to do now before I go to bed is watch the last episode of Squid Game. That's what oh, nice. Waiting for, so, yeah, yeah. just going to do this last one. And uh, we, we managed to pause packing earlier on to squeeze mm. the half-hour penultimate episode in. Because it's like, yeah. oh, it's only half an hour. I'll just do that now. Yeah. Uh, a bit weird. Nice. But, yeah, anyway, so we're going to do, do that. What's you enjoyed it? To, Yes, I have enjoyed. Do you know I have enjoyed it? It's it's completely, it's gratuitous, um, mm. and it's and it's completely sort of just, you know, shock shock effect, gory. But at the same time, uh, I've been pretty hooked on it. So nice. you know, nice. obviously doing something. I, like. I liked it, but I don't think I, mean, I don't know if I've said this on the podcast before. I don't think it's quite as amazing as people have made it out to be because there's so much other, so many other kind of Korean films or Asian Asian horror films yeah. that are fairly similar, and even other horror films that are fairly similar. So jumping out, obviously, Battle Royale is a big one from like the yeah. you know I think maybe 2000 or 2001 it came out. Very similar mm-hmm. concept. Um, yeah. A film, a James Gunn written and produced film came out a couple of years ago called The Belco Experiment, which is kind of similar. Um, okay. So there are there are the, it, there is other stuff out there that which is quite fairly yeah. fairly similar but i think it's just because people haven't really watched anything like it before yeah, yeah. Um, well i, that, I asked kids know, in school i said i said why do you all why do you all know about this film like, why is it so popular and they were like oh tiktok so so, yeah, so okay. i don't know whether they've intentionally got fed it onto yeah, yeah, tiktok yeah, yeah, or what but cool anyway yeah. there you go um this weekend well it's only monday so it's quite hard to hard to say what's going on uh we're going to do something i don't know we got loads of stuff planned this week so uh and then saturday something and then we're going to go around to my sister's for a little halloween party where all the kids treating, and that is it there you go um well, yeah. password is going to be um halloween why not yeah okay yay right Yep, cool. All right, <laughs> All right. we're going to go back. Okay, everybody have a lovely week. Greg, buys a beer. Buys a beer. Buy me a coffee.com. All that. Um, Greg, have a wonderful time away. You be safe Thanks. now. I will and, do. Uh, yeah, happy Halloween, y'all. Have a great bye. weekend. Bye, love Peace you back. Out.